0: Chapter 26 of Bladdis of the Stewpony. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Andy Minter. Bladdis of the Stewpony by Sabine Baring Gould. Chapter 26 The Crooked Finger Again. Mother Norris was sitting by the fire, smoking a short pipe, and looking dreamily into the glow. A few days had sufficed to olden her by as many years. The anxiety under which she had laboured when her house had been searched, and her distress about Nan, had aged her vastly. Her back was more bent, her face more haggard, her hair greyer and more dishevelled, and her eyes more dazed. She had seen her daughter. The assizes at Stafford had followed so speedily after those at Shrewsbury that Nan's imprisonment had been brief, and only a few weeks had intervened—no more—between the death of the constable and her execution. Now the old woman was full of concern for herself and her future. In her old age, with her natural selfishness, she grieved for the loss of her daughter, mainly as it affected her own comfort. She was afraid that she would be driven out of her old home. But even if allowed to continue there, how could she conduct the business of the house unassisted?— To engage a helper when she was in such a feeble condition was to put everything into the hands of the assistant. She sat blinking and puffing over the embers, with one brown lean hand on each knee, endeavouring to discover some expedient for making the rest of her life independent and comfortable, and could find none. Then she was startled by a rap, followed by a scratching at the door. She called in reply, and the door was partially opened. A face looked in peered into every corner, and then a body followed. "'Ah, George, my darling, my honey man,' croaked the old woman. "'Come in, I am all alone. You're safe here, But I had them rumpin' the place up twice.' Stracy shut and bolted the door after him. If the events of the past weeks had worn and oldened the woman, they had told with even greater effect on the man— He was pale to ghastliness, had lost flesh, his swagger had given way to nervousness, and his very garments had partaken in his deterioration. They were soiled and ragged. He threw himself into a chair by the hearth, and cowered by the fire. "'It has come to this,' said he, "'that I'm pretty well nigh done for. They're stopping every earth, and I've had to run from one ken to another, and have never known where I was safe.' "'I've had to sleep in ditches and under trees, been soaked by rains and shivered by frosts. "'I haven't had a proper bite of food since I last saw you. "'By heaven, I must eat, and I'll throw myself on a doss to-night if I have to swing for it. "'But I won't be caught. They're hunting in another quarter now. "'I can't endure this much longer. I'll shift to Wales.' "'Why have you come here?' said Mrs Norris, holding the pipe in her hand, and eyeing him with a singular expression on her leathery face. He was too weary, hungry, miserable, to observe of her countenance. "'Why have I come?' said he, impatiently. "'You have potatoes, bacon, that's why. Bring me rye bread, anything. I'm sick for want of proper meat and sleep.' "'I had no taters in the house, and not a bit of bacon for the last fortnight. night I'll bring you a drop of cat-water.' Jane, and warm you some porridge with the onions. Anything that's hot. I'm starved. Am I safe here? Oh, how can I say? This is a pot-house, and folk come in for a drop at all hours. If they find the door locked and barred, they'll smell something, and go into Kinver and lay an in information. Let me have the inner room, that if anyone should enter, you can keep em in the kitchen as usual, and they'll know nothing of my being under this roof. But, when I've eaten and warmed me at the fire, I'll just throw myself on the dos. He went to the door of communication and looked into the dark and unoccupied chamber. Oh, I'll not be in yonder in cold and darkness. I've been a fortnight and more without seeing or smelling a fire. I'm starving for warmth and dry as I am for proper food. See my clothing rags they be you can almost wring the water out of them. I'll kindle the fire in yonder, said Mrs. Norris. And then, if anyone comes to the door, you can step in there. I can't refuse to open. No, I know that. I wouldn't have come here but that I have nowhere else whither I can run. Oh, look at my hand, how it shakes. That is with cold and fasting and being hounded about, and never sure whether I shan't be nabbed and in the end crapped. My daughter has been that, said the hostess, leaning over Stracey and looking into his face with inquiry in her eyes. He rubbed his hand together, and extended them over the fire again, but did not respond to the remark. "'Do you know that?' asked Mother Norris. "'She's turned off and done for. Last Tuesday twas. Why am I to do without her, I can't think. I always reckoned that you'd make a tavern sign, but I never reckoned that my nan would be swung up. Captain, how came that about? I'd like to know. You was with her in Vauxhall. Couldn't you have got her off?' Oh, well, hag I had as much as I could do to save myself.' "'And the dust? What became of that? I know it was gone away. How did you manage to carry that away and leave my nan behind? I know you got off with the blunt, for they turned over everything in the cave and didn't find it.' "'Oh, yes, yes, I thrust it down the dolly.' "'Then why did you leave nan behind? She was more to me than my share of the dust. She ought not to have be been when you were there to help her.' with an oath george stracy turned on the old woman and bade her get the fire lighted in the farther rooms and prepare food for him she said not another word but hobbled into the adjoining apartment and remained there for some minutes presently she returned to take a shovelful of red-hot embers from the kitchen hearth with which to kindle the fire in the grate of the inner chamber as she stopped and with a hook drew the ashes into the shovel "'she leered up into the face of the highwayman, and said, "'Ah, Captain, honey, what are you thinking and grieving over? "'No more games on the main, Toby? "'Or is it for Nan? "'Poor, poor Nan!' "'The man stamped and set his teeth. "'Have I not enough to worry me without you snapping at me?' "'Just so, she used to sit, looking into glow,' "'continued the hag, undeterred. "'With her it was naught but George this, and George that, and... ay, it all George with her.' i "'Have seen her fret her heart out there on that stool "'when she fancied you was ceasing to care for her "'and had took up with the mother jorna. "'Get me something to eat, don't you know I'm perished for food?' exclaimed Stracy, with an impatient act of the hand that made the woman wince as she thought he was about to strike her. She obeyed, her face wreathed with a smile more hideous than a scowl. After a few minutes she returned and said in a muffled voice, "'Everton's ready.' no more ready than i am said the highwayman rising stiffly zounds i've had nothing bacon nor hot from the fire between my teeth for many days naught but raw turnips or a handful of dry corn he went into the adjoining room and threw the door back after him the chamber he entered was lighted by a dancing fire of sticks in joyful contrast to the dull red fire over which he had crouched in the kitchen and which had been reduced in volume by the red-hot embers taken to supply the other grate. Stacey had not left the kitchen many minutes before steps were heard approaching. Then a hand was laid on the latch, and an attempt was made to open the door. "'Who's there?' asked Mother Norris. "'Come open. A public-house should never be fast shut,' was the reply. "'Eh, hey, but I'm lone and old, no.' "'We will not harm you. Unbar. But who are you?' there be more than one ay to be sure there be crispin ravenhill and stew Powney blanc you're not afraid of us at the door of communication between the inner room and the kitchen appeared Stracy, signalling to the old woman but she paid no attention to him and withdrew the bar come in and welcome said she there be so many wicked men about that i'm forced when feeling timorous the nights to bolt my door "'What are you two about, wandering in the wind and rain and darkness?' "'We have made this journey to see you,' answered the young man in the doorway. "'It had been the wish of Bladdis, and I am, but now returned from London town.' "'Come to the fire, Sit you down,' said the hag. "'We shall not remain over ten minutes,' said Crispin. "'We must return to the rock and kinber.' He strode to the hearth, and stood there. A strip of gold, the reflection from the fire in the furthest apartment, through the gap made by the door being ajar, was painted from ceiling to floor on the wall a ribbon of flickering gold leaf. The haste with which Mrs. Norris had undone the front door had prevented Stracy from shutting that into the room where he was. "'You have a fire in yonder,' said Ravenhill. "'Is there any one there?' "'No, no, no one.' answered the old woman i've kindled a faggot as the night was damp and the room smelled mouldy like a church vault. then bladdis took the hand of mrs norris and said in a shaking voice mother i have come to say a word to you about her whom we have lost whom i loved as well as you ay ay replied the crone she was a good wench and was very fond of you she loved me too though i was rough with her at times she was my own flesh and blood, and the way I say it, she was a good wench, and I take it kindly of you to come and speak to me of her. That's more than do some as ought to. Her tone suddenly altered. She would have done better to have dashed a kettle of scalding water in a face I could put a name to than to have cast eyes of love on't. As you say, "'spoke Gladys in feeling tones. "'She was good and true, and we will remember her as such. "'I ever shall. "'To me she was loving.' "'That is certain,' exclaimed the old woman, "'casting a sidelong glance at the door that was ajar. "'And if a right had been done by such as I know of, "'she'd have been here to-night to welcome you. or would not have got her head into us's nightcap. She stooped over the fire and put the miserable embers together and muttered, Somebody might have saved her had he chose. Do not entertain those notions, said Gladys. What has happened is past recall. True, but stoop orny I eyes her my nan before she died. Only Austin took me to her, or I should never have mustered up courage to go. She was warmly shy o speaking to me, but I proved her well with questions when she turned stiff and wouldn't give me a reply then i sullied the truth yes yes the cravat was but to her neck that should have been fitted to the throat of another it was in vain for bladis to get the old woman to speak of her daughter in any other light she harboured the conviction that a wrong had been done to her and nan and was bitter in heart with resentment against the offender whom however she would not name bladis accordingly turned to another matter mother she said, for all that that was to me, for the love that I bore her, I wish to do something for you. I know that you are poor, very poor, and now, in your old age, companionless and helpless. It is my wish and intention, along with Crispin, who will soon be my husband, to do something for you.' "'What can you do?' asked the old woman sharply. "'We will allow you a crown every week, on which you may be able to obtain little comfort.' The old woman laughed. "'You must have money before you can give it.' "'We have it,' answered Bladis. "'I may tell you that we have come in for a large sum of money—large, that is, for us.' "'A large sum? "'When? "'How?' greedily queried the beldam. "'Have you about it you now Show it to me.' "'No, Mother Norris. I have none of it about me now. Crispin is going to expend it in barges on the canal. We shall have enough over with which to assist you.' "'You shall receive a crown every week from Holy Austin if we are away, "'and if at any time you should need more, "'we shall not refuse further help for dear Nan's sake.' Yeah, "'I'd like to know how you came by that money,' said the hag meditatively. "'Not from Holy Austin. He has none. Not from your father. "'He wants it all for the dressing-up of his new jorna. "'Not from Luke Angman nor his mother. "'For I've heard say that you never was his wife, "'and so couldn't claim more when he was dead.' "'I have my secrets,' said Gladys with a smile, "'even from you.' "'There is one thing further, and then we must be gone,' said Crispin. "'Where is Captain Stacey?' "'Where is George Stacey?' repeated the old woman, slowly, musingly. "'Oh, you desire to know?' "'Yes, Blad does.' "'Then Bladdis. "'Standing near the hearth saw in the streak "'of flickering gold reflected on the wall before her "'the shadow of a hand with a crooked forefinger, "'making a sign of caution. "'With an exclamation of astonishment "'she turned on her heels and cried, "'He is here!' "'At the same moment Crispin sprang at the door "'and drove it open, and saw Stracy standing "'with a spanned pistol presented at him. "'Back!' shouted the highwayman, and snapped the lock. "'No discharge followed. "'The priming was wet.' With a curse, Stracy turned the weapon in his hand and said, "'Come on, if you dare. I'll sell my life dearly.' "'I have no desire to touch you or have anything to do with you,' said Ravenhill coolly. "'Then why ask Mother Norris to betray me?' "'I asked her where you were, because she, who is soon to become my wife, brings you a message from poor Nan.' Gladys advanced into the room. "'Captain,' said she, "'have no fears for yourself. No harm will come to you through us.' "'Nan loved you too dearly for me not to wish you well. "'For her sake I would screen you. "'But I can do nothing in that way. "'Nan made me promise that I would give you a message from her, "'one I was to communicate to no ear save yours.' "'What is it?' he asked, sullenly and suspiciously. "'I must speak to you alone. "'Crispin will leave the room, go into the kitchen, "'and suffer us to be together for a moment.' "'Ravenhill withdrew and shut the door. "'Come.' what is it it really is not much answered bladis only this nan said tell george stracy on no account to touch food or drink prepared for him by my mother the man staggered back turned livid his eyes fell he put his hand through his hair and whispered he could not speak is it too late look and he pointed to an empty bowl on the table "'Then his paralyzing terror instantly gave way, "'and in a transport of fury and resentment "'he dashed past Gladys, tore open the door "'and would have fallen on Mother Norris "'and beaten out her brains with his fists, "'had not Ravenhill intervened and repelled him. "'She has poisoned me,' he yelled, "'the sweat bursting, almost spouting from his lips and brow. "'I know it. I feel it. Why did I ever come here?' "'Unable to reach her, he ran back into the room he had left, picked up the pistol that had fallen from his hand in the first access of horror, again cocked it, and once more attempted to discharge it, this time aiming at the hag. Again the weapon refused to fire, and he threw it at her, but missed. "'She poisoned me with a cursed dre, he gasped, then suddenly turned and fled the house. The old woman, hugging her knee, seated by the fire, Broke into convulsions of hard laughter. Dree it is, oh, a cursed dree! Oh, Captain George, Captain Stracy. who could have thought that he who had been the terror of travellers, "'as defied the law and slit the nose, should find his death in a porridge bowl. Come from this place," cried Ravenhill, drawing Gladys to him. Leave the miserable creature to herself. This is no place for you. He led her from the rock tavern. The rain had ceased, the clouds had parted, the stars shone clear, Jupiter as a silver lamp stood above. From beyond the stour sounded soft and sweet the warble of a flute a lad was practising outside his cottage door. Gladys said Crispin, and he drew the shaking, trembling girl closer to his side." Another month, and then we leave Kinver, and put behind us thoughts that are painful, and the memory of many horrors, and in the new home in which you will be known as Bladish Ravenhill, a new and happy story will begin, full of love and joy and peace, and the old tale of Stoopony Blah, into which entered so much of distress, shame and sorrow, will be closed up. Aye, and forgotten. End Of chapter twenty six, and of the story of Stuponi Blah.